All right, guys, welcome back for another podcast. Uh, today, we're talking a little bit about business theory as we kind of make our way through process. So here we go. We can try to direct it. So just have to apologize to everyone before we even get this started and how lofty this is about to get. (laughs) Yeah, this is kind of a big one. So uh, this actually to kind of take it full circle, um, we had received a question online, um, which again, I think... uh, I think we should, I think I think we should start to at least open mm-hmm. up uh, questions. I mean, yeah. honestly, um, if we want, we can make a email uh, podcast at paulhealth.net, um, yeah, and uh, people can just send questions to that. So it doesn't matter. Uh, whatever you guys want, it, sometimes it can kind of help direct these podcasts. But again, uh, podcast at uh, paulhealth.net. Just shoot your questions over, and uh, we'll give you a little shout out. Um, this one actually comes from Joanne, a longtime friend of mine, um, and. Uh, basically I think we're going to pose the question and then we'll end the podcast with it. Um, So uh, I was more along the lines of having a monument practice um, and sort of where can we take it from here? How can we um, sort of increase sales or increase uh, patient scene, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, essentially invoices. So um, like I said, we'll sort of end with that. Uh, We can certainly read the formal question towards the end, but um, it kind of gave us a little jump point before we started the podcast and just saying like, how, how can we actually turn this into being somewhat useful? But, um, a lot of it comes down to looking at where we are in process between wellness and ailment and engagement and recapture and walk in and extended hours. But again, at the core of that is service availability and affordability. Um, I kind of, I had this, uh, uh, funny experience as a as a wee young lad. Uh, I was, she's uh, how long? I was probably 18 years old, 19 years old, something like that. Um, and I ha- <coughs> through the National Italian American Foundation, um, I had uh, applied for this uh, scholarship or this grant, but uh, essentially they had flown a bunch of us over to Italy and we all started, there was 200 of us, I think, or there was 100 of us, and we started in Rome, and 50 went north, and 50 went south, essentially, so it was pretty cool, but we all started in Rome, and we saw, you know, Coliseum, and, you know, some of those other kind of uh, key points, but we were down in uh, Foro Romano, so it was kind of like just this uh, kind of lower form type area, and they were just, oh, here's this old building, and this is, you know, all degenerated, and what have you, and I kind of looked over and I looked way over and I was like, what, what is that way over there? It's this thing with all these slats. It was like all these little things. And they said, oh, well, that is um, where they used to have vendors. Now, this thing was like, I think it was like four or five stories high. Um, and it looked to be maybe, and again, doing this all from memory. I mean, it's probably a 20 year old memory at this point. Um, but it seemed like it was probably like maybe 50 units wide and 30. High. I was like, oh, those are probably apartments or something like that. You know, it's pretty cool to think in ancient times. So I'm like, what is that? And like, oh, they used to have market vendors in there. And I'm like, what does that mean? What are you talking about market vendors in that? And they're like, well, everyone used to have their own small shop um, in there and people would come and they would buy whatever wares they would need. I said, is that a mall? <laughs> and the lady was like, well, technically it's more of a, you know, can come and come. I'm like, that's a mall. No, that's a mall. <laughs> I've and, been there. Yeah, right. And, you know, and of course it wasn't like, it wasn't functioning, obviously. It was like, yeah. you know, the facade was gone. Yep. And she was like, yeah, okay, Carlo. Yeah, it was pretty much a mall. And I was like, Huh. And here I thought <laughs> malls yeah. was this, you know, new modern thing yeah. where people went to buy wares. And I was like, huh, 
So if we're saying that this existed, you know, in, in the time of antiquity, right. and we still have it now, I don't know what the hell they were selling in there, right. but it existed. Yeah. And it kind of, at that time, um, I didn't know, of course, the, what the theory that it was sort of instilling in me, but it was one of these where everything changes all the time, mm -hmm. but you're going to have sort of these core business practices that there, and they always exist in society, but there are portions that are innovative, um, and it's going to change with the times. But the idea is that for the most part, business is business. Yeah. Um, but I think what it, kind of comes down to is then I had recently what kind of sparked this memory is I saw just a very short video from Simon uh, Sinek. Yeah. Simon Sinek yep. um, about the idea of the infinite business right. or, uh, and that was, uh, I mean, I know, you, I know you know a little bit more about it than I do. Um, yeah. but it's, uh, uh, the long game essentially. Yes, exactly. And assuming that there are no winners, eventually you're going to have some degree of failure, but in the end, you know, the, the goal is you're trying to have this sort of long standing business, at least while you exist. Mm -hmm. Um, but as soon as you no longer exist, there's a potential, it just goes away. Right. Um, and for me, I think, you know, I, it, it basically, when I look at business theory in that regard, I think it keeps it incredibly light. Mm -hmm. I mean, why not take risk? Yeah. You know, if at the end of the day we have, you know, the, this old mall of antiquity, it's like, well, this structure still exists. How many thousands of years later that the, you know, the, the people, the, you know, the people, the merchants, they're not there anymore, but mm -hmm. you know, of course this structure still stands. So I think that's where for me, when I started looking at that sort of infinite business type idea, it's like, all right, well, if we're saying that, uh, you know, at least in our current state of affairs and we start talking about the medical profession, at least in some capacity, um, whether it be the human side, whether it be the animal side, I think it's pretty safe to say that moving forward, this is an institution that's going to continue to exist. Yeah. Um, at least up until what is the end of um, mm -hmm. civilized yep. society. Mm -hmm. um, so if that's, again, a portion of what our infinite business is, I think it gives an incredible opportunity to accept uh, risk and to not fall into sort of the comfort of, you know, tradition and understanding that, um, you know, at least in some regard, if we're playing the long game on this rather than the short game, um, there's a significant amount that we can uh, gain from it. Uh, for some, I mean, for us, it's it's purpose and well-being, right? I mean, yeah. that's Paul Health Network, purpose and well-being. Um, but uh, I think, you know, again, when we start to look at it and trying to keep it light and understanding that, you know, with risk comes reward, or at least there's the potential for, yeah. um, you know, it, 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 you're, you're never going to catch a fish if you don't put your worm in the water. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, with all of that stuff, you know, in what you're, you know, it's funny cause there's always those parallels, right? You're right. Between, um, because I had no idea that you had that story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just in there until I saw that, that cynic video and I was just like, huh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I remember that. That's been a governing principle. Right. Yeah. So uh, I'll direct people to, um, in this instance, actually two different books. Um, the one that we won't necessarily hit on too much in this is, uh, again, I think we talked about it last week, but Good to Great. Mm. Um, so there are six rules that are in that book that will actually direct people towards um, playing, as uh, Simon Sinek puts it, the infinite game better. So um, I would recommend checking that one out because uh, the, the idea in that book and the parallel that to our industry is basically the traditional monument practice is a good business model. But in the book, he talks about how 
uh, good is actually like the mortal enemy to being great because yep. you get really comfortable. So yep. it's six it's six different ways to really understand when you're just leaning on being good or good enough yep. and then how to get out of it. So definitely check that one out. But then the second one is, and I, I will say I have not read this book, but I've watched Simon Sinek talk about it for upwards of probably about 10 to 12 hours. Yeah. Um, is called The Infinite Game. So the idea is that um, in life, there are two different types of games you can play, um, one being finite, one being infinite. A finite game has a, um, an established set of rules. There is a beginning and there is an end. The, the, um, the example he uses very often is baseball. So first inning, ninth inning, 27 outs, assuming that the game isn't tied, the game is over, there's a winner, there is a loser, we move on to the next one. Um, and in the book, he talks about a lot of how um, business is, is, is um, actually practiced in that same way, where we look at very finite details, um, finite um, metrics yeah. in determining whether or not we are successful. Yeah. And that is something that has um, overall, uh, not just in veterinary profession, but I would say that it definitely does it, especially on a corporate level, but it decimates culture. Um, it greatly increases your turnover and it really just focuses your attention to the wrong things. It turns into serve essentially the invoice yep. because I want to win there Yep. because over time we'll, we will ultimately, even if we go into it with great intention, most of the time for playing that game, we end up into financial worlds and that's the only thing that we really focus on. And then it's just yeah. a downhill slide from there. And that's actually most of the gripes you'll hear about veterinary corporate medicine yeah. is when we, you know, one, of course, whether or not the veterinarians are in production or not, but you know, certainly when they're on a pay base that puts them into negative accrual or what's your yeah. numbers and your production and yeah. how much are you generating? And you're exactly right. It does all of those things it destroys it destroys culture mm -hmm. um you know core values i mean that is never really even a discussion at that point and it starts to get away from what is actually serving the patients and you said right. exactly it's serving the invoice right so uh the so that's like the thing that he basically cautions us all against because if you play by the rules of a finite game, ultimately you will realize your end. Yeah. Um, so he, in the book and in all the talks that he's done on it, I'll link a few different examples, some shorter, some longer, is actually just getting away from that entirely and just focusing on serving a specific and shared purpose. Yep. So for us, although it was not incidental, the definition that you had provided at the groundbreaking, which you came up with that day, and I'm still mad about a little bit, <laughs> was, you know, paw being shared purpose and well-being. Well, yeah. those two variables actually are directly in um, correlation with the idea of the playing the infinite game. Because if we're just focused nice. on continuously um, fulfilling a shared purpose and continuously making sure that we have people that are, you know, have a, sub a, a substantial well being so they can do that on a continuous basis, everything else in terms of what would be considered finite success points come behind it. Yes, yes. there is some time between 
um, you know, putting you putting it out there, making the transition and realizing financial success. But basically it's like, no, go do the right thing. And, and the, the success will follow you. Um, and, and, and then with that too, it's not something that has an end. You can continue to push towards purpose. You can continue to, um, go along this process of just, not really focusing on the finite details and it will simply just swell up behind you in success and just continue to propel you forward. It, yeah, that that is actually literally the story of who I am. Right. I mean, truthfully, um, and I, I used to say it as when I was kind of an earlier associate veterinarian is I paid karma, you mm-hmm. know, and I think I've yeah. said that in podcasts yep. before, but the idea being that even though I was a veterinarian who was paid commission or paid on production, it was never a governing principle. Mm -hmm. It was, I had a responsibility and that responsibility was to treat the patients who were treatable and, you know, and the suffering of those who weren't. I mean, that was pretty much it. Um, And then, you know, again, that led into, well, how can we do that effectively? Well, we have to be effective communicators. And if we are effective communicators, we have to be effective educators, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and all those things sort of started to come together. And that's what was so that's so bizarre about kind of our story, uh, mine and Katie's and certainly uh, Paul Health, um, is that uh, as soon as I started doing that, I mean, my uh, other classmates that I would have to other relief veterinarians that I'd come across or part time vets that we'd have in the practice, um, everyone was always talking about some of those short term goals. What's my production this pay period? What's my, you know, uh, overall compensation structure for the year? I mean, mm-hmm. it, those are things that you need to know. So you can, of course, have a, a somewhat a standard of living. Mm-hmm. But I just never really ever paid attention to it. Mm-hmm. But somehow I was always more financially stable than anyone else I had ever talked to. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, why is how is how are those two things connected when the last thing I'm thinking about is actually turning an invoice? Um, and what I'm focused more upon is that serving the patient and doing what's right by what I was trained to do. And then like you had said, it just swells. And then it's like, Oh, I'm doing it. And Oh, now the practice and now ownership and now industry. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's been incredibly bizarre being an outsider looking into my own life, you know, to, to see that. Um, but it's, it's, it's been truly remarkable. I mean, like I said, that's just been the story of who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, basically what that was in that instance was um, kind of what we've turned into our ERT, right? Mm-hmm. So we went from individual into team and then yep. into community and now yep. working up into industry is yep. really what our focus uh, is. And now it's on paper, right. but you, <laughs> it's been, as you said, governing principles for yeah. a long time. Yeah. And But the other side of that that uh, is the other, the other piece to this conversation is that with that, we've also gotten, uh, you have been able to weather the storm of kickback yeah. on being that type of person and yeah. having a business structure that ultimately does that because what you have to um, firmly believe in and being be able to implement is to know your process extremely well and yeah. to abide by it. So yeah. again, the the example that he uses in, in the book and in the videos is the Apple executive that sits uh, in with the limbos, right? Yeah, yeah. Or in, So he's like, they're talking about the iPod and then the other guy busts out a Zune and it doesn't even phase the Apple guy. He's like, yeah, it does this and this and it's way better than yours. He's like, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, the Apple executive was like, yeah, yeah, probably. Yours is probably better. Right. Yeah. And, and, it, and it just doesn't even, it doesn't break him of anything no. because he knows 
um, with Apple, you know, why he's doing what he's doing, what the, what the overarching purpose is, and it doesn't shake him in any way. And then the other, the way that he flips that example is if it would have been a Microsoft exec in that limbo and he, and he were to take out an iPod and say, yeah, it's better than yours and blah, blah, blah. He's going to grab it. Oh yes. Right. And he's going to be like, yeah, this is how we can do better, better, better. Like I want to win. I want to win. I want to win all of these things. And I mean, look at the marketplace right I mean, apple i don't even think is since jobs has been gone has even been that great yeah. and it hasn't mattered at all <laughs> right <laughs> they just keep growing yeah so yeah. Yeah. um yeah. so in our instance you know do you want don't be the guy that's the microsoft exec don't you yeah know, don't cave on your process because you're going because of getting kickback or somebody maybe you know running past you in one set of variables yeah for us you know it's going to be you know, complaint management. It's going to be, you know, um, patient advocacy, patient accountability. It's going to be uh, turnover, right? We're going to have people that you're going to bring in. You're going to think you're going to be able to live by your process, but ultimately they just fall off because they weren't ready for it. Yeah. These are all things that we've worked through. Weathered, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's exactly it. It's just like just pushing our way out of the hurricane yep. because that's what this is. Yeah. There's that level of comfort in being good enough and living in the middle of that, yep. but you're going to have to weather the tough stuff yep. to get out of it because once you do, it's it, the world is your oyster. Yeah. Um, and there's not nothing really that's going to get in your way to yeah. re, to f- fulfilling this shared purpose that you have. Yeah. When we were at MSU, um, I also kind of had talked about this to the, to the student uh, group that we had in front of us. And it was um, really focused on that shared purpose for us. It's very clear. It served the patient, but I looked at the whole group. I was like, I don't know what your purpose is here. It could be that it could be serve the caregiver. It could be serve an invoice. I personally don't care at all right. what your purpose is, but I do care if you know what it is yeah. because you have to have the self-awareness and understanding. Why are you here? What are you seeking to fulfill? And then go into an environment in job interviews and all that sort of stuff. That should be the first First thing that's on your resume and the first thing that you say yeah because it's it provides the absolute nutmost clarity to everyone around you of why oh, you're showing up completely right yeah not something that's necessarily taught on any level and i yeah. understand why yeah. um but that really is just going to push people again into this belief in process through shared purpose and then ultimately if you have a team that has shared uh purpose well-being even with no effort will automatically increase because you're more fulfilled by the people you're around. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And even to that exact end, uh, to build upon that statement and saying, list your or individual purpose. Yeah. Um, that would be the first question I ask. Yeah. You know, going into a job interview and just the idea, like when you said that, put it on your resume. I'm like, holy crap. Mm -hmm. If I ever saw a potential new hire who has a written purpose on their estimate, like that's some big picture thinking. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's an individual who um, in general, I mean, not just because you're fulfilling a line item and oh, every resume has to have a purpose now. You know, don't just slap something on there. It's like, where are we really starting with this? And actually, I remember 
I remember, and actually we talked about this, I think one of the very first times we had Caroline on the podcast, um, is when she was talking about doing her, um, uh, milk culture routes, mm-hmm. you know, and I was, you know, when I had originally, when she was originally telling me about that, it was her purpose was she wanted to, you know, essentially help drive the, uh, help support and feed the world right. essentially what it boiled down to. And I'm like, there's a purpose you can right. get behind, right? You know, there is something that, you know, you can call it noble, right? Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think in general, if you have a, um, selfless, purpose, um, you will, of course, maintain a certain level of nobility um, in fulfilling that individual purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, uh, you know, uh, what is it? It's, it's if um, it doesn't matter who gets the credit if good work gets done. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of that idea. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's same way. Same way. Uh, it definitely, it should be asked of an employer. Yeah. Um, during an interview, but more importantly, an employer should be coming forward with it during the recruitment phase. Yeah. This is our shared purpose. Do you align? Yeah. Yeah. So in our interviews, um, that's why our interviews take so long because we actually take <laughs> probably about they're typically for a good one when it's like, this is a potential, right? Yeah. You, you've got your initial screening bit, but then you go into phase two. And then with that, that's honestly to about like 20 to 30 minutes of Annie and I both talking just about us, about us. I love it. And it's just a, it is just the definition of what they can expect yep. before they ever step foot, even into a work interview um just like here's what it is here's what our expectations are and here's why you are here yeah if you can get behind that there's really not a whole lot of barriers that are going to stop you from succeeding but here's why you're here and this is how we make that happen on an everyday basis um and we never really talk about um their their quote-unquote individual success or like the finite detail right we have to talk about you know yeah like what their pay range is and all just to uh, make sure, sure that we, yeah, yeah but again yeah. maintaining well-being structure. right yeah it's not yeah. really about well these are the invoices that we turned last year and this is how many patients we saw and this is how yeah. we're beating everybody else that's around us it's like no nah, i really don't actually care no. what they're doing yeah. they're doing what they're doing and we're doing what we're doing and we're going to keep going down this yeah um, the other caution that we, I do always put out there is they have to be ready to stand on process and not cave on it. Yeah. Because that can be a hard thing. We've realized yeah. that with a lot of staff is that they don't really have um, the gumption to tell somebody no or to set the standard yeah. um, right away. And then ultimately, and I, you know, the caution is, well, if you do that, if you break process, you're only going to set everybody else up to fail because oh, we're oh because we're all living by process. <laughs> yeah. So it's a hard fail too. Oh, every time. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's um it's kind of the uh, uh the, I, now I caution using this example, but the office space uh, of the Bobs. You know, Bob, when I make one mistake, I have <laughs> yes. to hear about it from seven, yep. seven, seven different, different people. people. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> and it's like, uh, you know, it, of course the, the joke is it's just this total monotonous type environment. But yeah. for us, it's like, no, it actually does really affect seven different people. It does. Yeah. <laughs> we have so many different processes, so intimate with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other part of our accountable profile and sort of maintaining the unity and so on and so forth is that while we may have a similar circumstance where you'll hear it from multiple people, it's an environment where we don't actually want you to fail. Right. So it's like, hey, this affected this many people. Mm-hmm. 
you may not have even been aware that all of these different things connect with one another. Yeah. Um, please don't make our job more difficult. However, we w just want you to simply succeed. Right. Yeah. You know? It's it's really just edifying the process. Like, yeah. Stand on process. Yeah. It's it's yeah. what we kind of talked about last week, where I was like, just please fail, right? Yeah. Because that's the opportunity of failure in this instance is actually just going to prove um, through the hard knock why <laughs> process kind of is the way that it is. Yeah. Provide the opportunity to shift that process if there's a better way to do uh, it. Absolutely. But ultimately, yeah. just trying to improve so we don't actually go, you know, in the office space example, the thing that drove him the most nuts was it was just like, yeah, here's where you screwed up, period. Right. There was never really anything to go around it. And it was just the same people saying the same thing seven different times. Yeah. And just how that person was not good at what they did. Yeah. That was the end of the story. Yeah. So in our example, it, it does go probably three to five steps further, depending on the scenario of like, yeah, mistake. Absolutely. Acknowledge it. Own it. Yep. Now we're into now we're into solutions. Yep. Um, but it's it's it, there is definitely some similarity in there where yeah you might hear from it from a couple different people. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but again, part of the interview process and saying we really need some adherence to process. Yeah, it's just a yeah. warning basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So and it's not crazy stuff. I mean, I keep I, we've said that several times in this podcast. Like, it's not like we have policy for the sake of having policy. Right. It's that we have policy and procedure as it directly relates to. To, um, our abatement or reduction of conflict. Right. So it's the, you know, what we say the two biggest problems is inefficient process and unnecessary conflict. All we're doing is essentially saying that, uh, you know, inefficient process and unnecessary conflict. And our goal is to essentially serve the patient and educate the caregiver. We just have to bridge those two sort of, you know, Venn diagrams, so to yeah. speak. What's the perfect thing in the middle of all of those? Yep. Um, and that, that's essentially what we're shooting for is that mark. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that definitely pushes us directly into what we kind of, you know, kind of digressed from is mm -hmm. this idea of playing an infinite game, which means ultimately serving, I would argue, serving a purpose greater than yourself. Yeah, you have to. So otherwise it's otherwise it's finite. I would say so. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, we've even had that in some of our, uh, one, you know, a couple of our employees or whatever that that are past employees, where it was uh, we had the one individual twist our core values to serve herself. Yeah, you know, so it's again, it's a very finite game to only focus upon those things that serve you. Yep. You know, again. I mean, yeah, that's fine. Uh, you know, you come into the world alone, you leave the world alone. Like yeah. that's, I mean, you have to, there's a component of it that you have to serve yourself, but that is the shared well-being component. Yeah. So it's, it's okay to have you know, sort of barriers or it's okay to sort of have, um, uh, um, limitations, you know, mm -hmm. I'm only going to go so far, mm -hmm. uh, which is perfectly acceptable. Um, but again, when it comes back to the, the business development, the business theory side of things, you, yep. yeah, you have to go selfless. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, the well-being portion is essentially just to summarize it. It is, you, uh, you cannot pour from a cup that's empty. So sure. make sure your cup doesn't go empty. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. do what you do, what you have to, to make sure that you are fulfilling yourself. Yeah. Um, but ultimately you, you cannot, you yeah. cannot pour all of yourself into something and then expect more to come out. Yes. So, um, different people handle that in different ways. I know you and I are different from a lot of other people where we're actually fed by being at work, which is yeah. really weird, but yeah. either way. Yeah. And I think for somebody put a, 
hooked a hose to the bottom of my cup. Like, it's just, <laughs> You're just one of those bottom-filling e- e- beer mugs. Yes. You ever seen one of those? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's I am one of those. If there was going to be an analogy for me and some item, it's going to be a bottom-filling beer uh, cup, yes. Uh, I think those are the coolest. Yeah, they're pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know how they keep them clean. But me, yeah, that's, me neither. Yeah, it grosses me out. But anyway. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, coming back to sort of the uh, finite and infinite game, yeah. I mean, there's there's a component when you're looking at the business and, you know, kind of how I started out earlier on is you, you have to be willing to accept that most of these institutions are going to be here uh, beyond you, especially yep. at this point. Yep. Um, and we need to accept that, um, you know, while, you know, at least in some capacity being, uh, 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 I guess, a steward uh, would be one way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a term that I pulled from the Humane Society, but um, being a steward of our business or our company, you know. Mm-hmm. And But for me, uh, like I said, when I pay karma is I think really what that has turned into is me paying karma is leaning into process and yeah. serving the patient. So yep. um, for us, I think because I know that our uh, ultimate goal is noble, you know, um, is that I think that's where I've been consistently comfortable in destabilizing our company. Yeah. Um, and I think that's sort of, uh, you know, we talk about the, uh, which we talked about the innovators, uh, which you know, we'll touch on here just one second. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I may have talked about this in a previous podcast, but um, Katie and I had uh, made the determination that we weren't going to pull any money from the company for the first five years. Um, and part of that was any additional profit that we would make from one year to the next, we just invested back into the company. So we were just like, you know, we had our wage as veterinarians. Um, you know, we it was it was a uh, livable, uh, you know, sustainable uh, lifestyle. Uh, you know, we're not over the top and by any means we live um, below our means, at least we try to. Um and it was just money back in, money back in, money back in, money back in. And it was, and that's what I think what we look at as being the destabilization of the company, or at least one interpretation of destabilization. So if you're saying that, oh, I have this business and this business, when I purchased it was financed and well, that finance actually is a part of our expense. So now we're increasing operations and above the increase in operations is now increased profit. It's like, well, that's your nest egg. Why are, why are you giving away your profit? That's your profit. You worked for that profit. That's yours to keep. That's your profit. Um, no. Right. No, it's the businesses. I work for the business. Yeah. And the business works for the patient. Right. Um, and me as an employee of the business, yeah, I'm the owner. I mean, when it comes down to tax time, that's a pretty hefty bill. But, um, <laughs> you know, when, but I am an employee of the business and I'm here to, as the business owner, to push harder than anyone else. Yeah. And um, essentially, then what comes with that is the harder I push, the harder other people push. And right. that, that's been pretty fun, actually, high five, Ben, um, you know, to see that process as well to say, gosh, there are a lot of people who see that it's not even just a matter of being passionate. It's a matter of being fucking dedicated. Yeah. You know, that, that is really what it is. Now you can say again, I'm dedicated to the business, not failing. That's finite. Yeah. Uh, infinite is I'm dedicated to serving the patient because that is a sustainable component. That is something that'll never end. Mm-hmm. The business can, but for me to say, oh, okay, so here's the profit that we're making and dump it back into the built into the into the business, um, it always came back. Yeah, it always came back where it was like, oh, okay, that's weird. We just dumped in, you know, how many tens of, you know, into it, and then oh, the next year it was doubled. Okay, that was weird. Mm-hmm. Why? And it, so that then it becomes the investment, right? So the, you know, uh, you know, you can talk about stocks and bonds. You can talk about, you know, uh, mutual funds. You can talk about all these different things. But I think why I'm so passionate about business, especially when we're talking in an industry where there's a significant issue with debt to income ratio. To me, it's like. 
well, okay, no, literally everyone needs to be at least in some degree an owner of a practice. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least in some, there are plenty of practices out there that are willing to sell right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we're talking about us improving process, that's why a lot of this is again in theory, is for us to start to talk about improving process and we do it in a very methodical fashion and we do it in a way that allows us to continue to serve more patients and we can do it in a fashion that makes us more available. We do it in a fashion that increases our availability or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, affordability. Um, there's, it, it's going to be incredibly difficult to fail. Right. And that from an investment standpoint, always put your money on that. And I think that's where it's leaning into process, always put your money in process. And that's what we do, even though we're destabilizing the company and saying all these profits, we're just going to shell away and say, well, what happens next year if sales are down? They're not going to be down next year. Right. I I am banking on the fact that what we're doing is virtuous and what we're doing is noble. What we're doing is we're serving a cause. We're not serving an invoice. We're not serving production bonuses. We're not serving these things. Um, And I'm confident that um, basically, uh, 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 again, providing the services for the general community and understanding that it is an industry that's going to be here beyond me. Mm -hmm. It's just trying to set that standard the investment has always come back. It has never been a fail. So that's where I think when I talk about I'm comfortable destabilizing the business, it's because I'm so adamant that our process works. Mm -hmm. And I'm so adamant that core values work and that our education system works is that it's going to be incredibly difficult to fail. If you can, if, if you can implement a hundred percent of what we've implemented, you, your children will be successful. If you can implement a portion of this, um, then yes, that's a little bit more of a finite, um, you know, uh, finite type game that way. But, but it didn't happen overnight either. Right. Took some work. That's, that's where that dedication thing kind of took some work in because, um, it was, I mean, I, I was not there on an everyday level. However, I saw the Monday morning Carlo and Katie on a number of days. My one day off. Your one day off. Yep. And it looks like you were ready to, you know, just pass out a few times. Yeah. It's like, it's not, it, I'm not going to say that this is easy, you know, living a, essentially what you could say a, a, a type of a life that is of servitude, yeah. even if it is to just that shared purpose, there yeah. is definitely a sacrifice yeah. that is included in that. But ultimately that's why you go back to purpose and um i would challenge um everyone to at least investigate the book that man search for meaning because that's again that idea of like if you know what your purpose is no struggle is too great there's nothing that can really um take you away from it as so long as you stay true to your ultimate purpose and pushing to it even if it's to find what your purpose is sure um but um no no barrier is too substantial to um to to the realization of your um your individual purpose um, and for us, the nice part about it is we have removed the overwhelming majority of those barriers, yeah. provided it to people, and then said, all right, here's what it is. Yeah. Um, for the first few years, some of it was implied. Uh, I, I oh, would say a, a within enough, the business. Mm-hmm, yeah. I would say enough of it was implied to have gone through some significant growing pains. Yep. And now that's why, you know, when we were at um, MVC a couple of weeks ago, 
Um, and everyone was like, what are you selling? Yeah. Right? Um, that was like those that were already practicing yeah. and all that. I was yeah. like, oh. MVC is a veterinary, com- Michigan veterinary yeah, conference yeah, for yeah. those who don't know. But yeah, so we attended, a, basically we're on the show floor, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, so yeah, actually, yeah. So we were right next to like the Hesca, yeah. the, the big like yeah. vendors of the industry. And like, what are you trying to sell? An idea. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Uh, that you can do all of these things and ultimately yeah. realize, you know, greater success at a team level and individual level, a business level, a community level, all of these things. And it's already made for you. And if you were to go to buy this from somebody else, it's probably going to cost you about 15 grand. And here it is for free. Yeah. At minimum. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So all of these. Right. So that that was like we went from the growing pains and then we yeah. started to write it down. And now it's like, well, here you go, guys. Yeah. Like here it is for Just, free. Yeah. Um, because And that's why those that have been listening to this on a pretty consistent basis, you know, like I don't think that that's any sort of stretch of the imagination to assume that if a consultant were to come in and put the amount of time and effort that we have put into these ideas, both in development, but now discussion cost you a a lot of money. Yes. Correct. Um, So just take it and run with it. Um, Well, yeah. And and that's, I think even in that to touch upon things you said before, where there's no turnkey solution, Yeah, you know, is, and I think that's what, I would like to reiterate with this process is it's malleable. Yeah. You know, the, the foundation is there. I mean, when you, when you buy Play-Doh, you pretty much get your stock colors and yep. you can make whatever you wish. It's that idea, mm-hmm. you know, is that, uh, it, so yeah, not, not to totally interject, but oh, right. you know, that's the, that, that's the whole point is that there's no turnkey, but what's here is so powerful. Yeah. You can, you can, uh, uh, uh sort of uh, mold it into any business structure. So, uh, one of the things that Ben and I, um, and actually the, the whole poly, uh, health team is we've been working with one of our local humane societies and we've been doing both sides. We've been focused on the uh, uh, medical care, uh, but on the other side, it's also been the administrative uh, components as well. So for me, I mean, I, I'm meeting with them uh, at least once a week now um, just to kind of help with some of this. And all we're doing is running through uh, culture and core values. We're developing their education system mm-hmm. and they're, we're taking the nuts and bolts of it, you know, where it's like, oh, well, in our organization, we have caregiver support staff, medical support staff, our CVTs, our DVMs. Well, in their organization, they have their, um, you know, animal care advocates, they have their, uh, you know, intake leads, adoption leads, you know, medical leads, um, you know, so for them, it's, it's a very similar way. They have different job descriptions, yep. you know, they have uh, different responsibilities. Those things I don't have a great respect of, I'm sorry, I don't have a great understanding. I have respect that they do it, but I don't right, have a great right. understanding yep. um, of what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that I can't facilitate right. our process in their organization. Mm-hmm. Um, like our core values work, trust, respect, unity, accountability. Ours is, um, serve the patient. Theirs is be an effective steward. Um, you know, so it's, it's those types of things where as we move through this, it's all incredibly malleable. Mm -hmm. Um, but like you said, from a, um, you know, sort of a a consultation company to come in and be like, you need to do this because the last 20 practices we consulted on their numbers went up from this to that and their profitability and look at how great this is. And you have to do these 30 steps and here's the key metrics and this Mm -hmm. and this and this all I hear is finite right it's yeah the finite war it's and the, the finite battle and that's what typically why people fall off of those uh Const- princi- strategies those or strategies so fastly because they yeah. don't realize the finite yeah uh, well we did that now right <laughs> we checked the box yeah we won yes where's the wait what right. what happened where does where's right. the success factors that i was yeah. supposed to yeah. actually realize 
Um, yeah, and that's actually some of the sadness that I, I have um, for our profession is because, I mean, like we had said, I mean, the, really the small animal medicine was developed in the 80s, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, in early 90s, really. Mm-hmm. So it's, we had a, an, an incredible amount of innovators at that time, you know, yeah. innovators and early adopters. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, and then it just kind of like, well, we hit the checkbox yeah. and then we were good. And then we we just we were good, yeah. and that was good. We helped yeah. a lot of animals during that time, and that's good. Mm-hmm. However, we can't stay what that was. Yeah, you know. And I, I would argue that for the most part, and I mean, when you talk to a lot of the um, vendors, I mean, Hesca and these other companies, for the most part, on a nationwide level, most veterinary clinics are doing good. Yeah, you know. So mm-hmm. it's it's there, like I said, uh, but it's it's time to bring our profession into greatness. It's time for us to right. lay that new foundation um, and uh, uh, basically become innovators once again. And that's uh, the other half of this uh, discussion, right? Of how do we take this monument practice and start yeah. to convert it into a new era of veterinary medicine? So we've got, you know, shift your mindset, create process ultimately to serve mm-hmm. something that is greater than yourselves. That's really what we just talked about for the last 30 minutes. <laughs> right. It, that It's just mindset, yep. write it down, yep. and get the team that is ready, willing, and able to fulfill that. Read yep. the infinite game. Read start or uh, good to great. Yep. Um, read great by choice, too. It's another one by Jim Collins. Um, read a, a gluttony of other books. Yep. Right? Uh, get those principles that are bigger than veterinary medicine into your head and then implement them in your system. That's what we did. We boiled a lot of it down into the ERT and all of these things, but it it is a mindset. Check your mindset and get people that are of that same mindset in your door. Um, Because once you do that, um, that's when we get into the, the law of diffusion of innovation. You are now a innovator in your market that, um, is going to again realize some growing pains yes and you have to have that mindset yes as you venture out through the hurricane to get to the other to get outside of it yep um you're going people around you are going to look at you like you're crazy uh, oh a lot <laughs> a lot yes um but over time what you will have happen is you will venture out, you will start to realize some successes, and then people will start to follow behind you. And you have you will stay consistent. Uh, there will be forces drawing you back into that yes. comfortability, and you will go against them by yep. by a very consistent and implemented process. Yep. And over time, you will start to actually gain a significant market presence or market yeah. penetration um, that will change the industry as a whole. Yep. That's what we're trying to do. That's yep. what, that was the whole idea behind getting microphones and yes. cameras and all this shit, right? <laughs> yeah. Is to is to basically just put it out there and say, time to innovate, guys. Yes. Time to grab on, time to be a part of the top 20% of everyone that's in our profession and start to make a difference. Yep. Um, so I'll link uh, the video. Actually, I'll we're going to pause right here yes. and we're going to drop in um, the, the piece from Simon Sinek about the diffusion of innovation oh, sure. so that they can understand kind of what we're looking at. Yeah, it's about sure. two minutes long. So yeah, here we go. Here we go. Right. Something called the law of diffusion of innovation. And if you don't know the law, you definitely know the terminology. The first two and a half percent of our population are our innovators. The next 13 and a half percent of our population are our early adopters. The next 34% are your early majority, your late majority, and your laggards. 
the only reason these people buy touch-tone phones is because you can't buy rotary phones anymore. <laughs> we all sit at various places at various times on the scale, but what the law of diffusion of innovation tells us is that if you want mass market success or mass market acceptance of an idea, you cannot have it until you achieve this tipping point between 15 and 18% market penetration, and then the system tips. And I love asking businesses, what's your conversion on new business? And they love to tell you, oh, it's about 10%, proudly. Well, you can trip over 10% of the customers. We all have about 10% who just get it. That's how we describe them, right? That's like that gut feeling, oh, they just get it. The problem is how do you find the ones that just get it before you're doing business with them versus the ones who don't get it? So it's this here, this little gap, that you have to close, as Jeffrey Moore calls it, crossing the chasm. Because you see, the early majority will not try something until someone else has tried it first. And these guys, the innovators and the early adopters, they're comfortable making those gut decisions. They're more comfortable making those intuitive decisions that are driven by what they believe about the world and not just what product is available. These are the people who stood online for six hours to buy an iPhone when they first came out, when you could have just walked into the store the next week and bought one off the shelf. These are the people who spent $40,000 on flat screen TVs when they first came out, even though the technology was substandard. And by the way, they didn't do it because the technology was so great. They did it for themselves. It's because they wanted to be first. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And what you do simply proves what you believe. In fact, people will do the things that prove what they believe. The reason that person bought the iPhone on the first, in the first six hours, or stood in, six, in line for six hours, was because of what they believed about the world and how they wanted everybody to see them. They were first. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So, All right, so um, law of diffusion of innovation. So. Um, everything that we are talking about and have talked about for however many hours on the podcast and everything that we've been doing for the last five years is with the um, ins uh, accidental understanding that this is that 3% uh, type idea. And that w uh, from a market penetration perspective, the reason that we um, uh, at times we've talked about, right, like getting uh, kind of even just like firing caregivers to a point or like being yeah. willing to say no to people or whatever it may be. That's the idea of just accepting the fact that um, our market penetration is really still within that first 17%. From a staff perspective, we haven't really been able to swell up a ton because we've really needed people to be open to change, open to the mindset yeah. of being that first 17%. Yeah. Um, and we've had people fall off that weren't a part of it. Like he said in yeah. the video, you won't get the early you won't you will not get the early majority without early adopters. Yeah. So we've pretty much sometimes by complete accident yeah. focused our attention almost exclusively on those types of people. Mhm. Mm from a wellness plan perspective too, uh, sure, right? Yeah, like yeah. Similar concept. Like you put it out there and you just read the reaction. Yes. And if they're like, yes, I want that. Like yeah. they're gung-ho on it. Yeah. Like sold, done. Like yep. that, they're going to be a caregiver for Paw Health for life, sure. probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes there's just that wall. 
cool. That's great. Yep. Not a problem. You know, just know that it's not going anywhere and we're going to con- continue to work on it. Yeah. So uh, a lot of things that are kind of included in that. I personally tend to look at this from more of a staffing perspective because, again, in interviews, one of the things that the we, adoption, the, the early adopter yeah, 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 is yeah, yeah. they have to be open to the concept of um, continuous um, but but effective change. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember yeah. um, one individual that doesn't work with us anymore. Um, she was probably like three weeks in and she was like, everything, like things just change so fast. I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. get used to it Yeah, because we're always improving. I think I was standing there for that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it, like, and it's one that continuously happens yeah, too. Yeah, I just kind of smiled and I was like, hmm. Yep. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. What's the joke you always use? Don't even get comfortable with the toilet paper because that might change too. <laughs> yes. Like everything's on the table. Everything's yes. on the chopping block. That's that destabilization yeah. type thing, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what we found is that those that are a part of that early 17% um, are greatly fulfilled by being put in an environment that yeah. will allow for that to happen. And what, and again, considering our audience and the thing that I really kind of cautioned, um, at MSU about Katie really pushed it hard to was basically all the, a lot of these kids are going to get out of vet school, you know, 23, 28, somewhere in the, within there. Typically you got your second yeah. lifers in there too, yeah. but they're going to walk into an environment that's going to see, even if they are of the mindset of being a innovator or early adopter, it's going to just squash it. Oh yeah. Right. Because it's good. Right. Like those types of mindsets take away from good. There's risk involved with that. Sometimes risk that a lot of times that those structures aren't willing to take on. And that's very demotivating. That's, you know, go back and listen to some of the previous podcasts about um, autonomy, um, creating value on an individual level, being able to be yourself, having first emotional reactions, all that sort of stuff. That's an innovative idea, which is, to me mind-boggling but and sad yes but there's a (laughs) there's so much opportunity in creating a space where you can actually innovate on any level yeah like change something make it better yeah at least freaking try yeah um because again as you push towards that and it with a genuine purpose that is shared amongst a group of people and you push for change for that reason Change, it, it will start to swell up behind you in some way, shape, or form. Yep. You're not do You're not making the change just to make more money or to realize more invoices or some sort of or to beat the competitor right. in some way, shape, or form. It's, yeah. No, it's for genuine and, and legitimate purpose. Right. And with that, you will start to watch your team grow behind you. Yes, I mean. For, you are of yes. no way a part of the hiring process. No. Really at all. No. And the team is swelling behind. Yes. Not you. Right. We, we do want to caution. People yeah. don't work for Carlo. No, they, they work for Paul because pa. Paul works or Carlo works for Paul as well. <laughs> right. But it's. You Pushing know, you, with me. Right. You. Yeah. It was, you know, the mindset was there. Um, it even took Katie a while to get behind that. It, yeah. Right. Yeah. So you had yeah. to start with square one. Yeah. But now yeah. it's like, oh, now we've got a team of 30. Right. And now we're looking to expand that team out even further. Now we're bringing yep. students in on yep. three-week basis, and they're saying, I don't want to go anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid to go somewhere else right? because I, yeah. I, like, I found my purpose here. Yeah. In, 
yeah, yeah. That, that's that was, all I got. <laughs> yeah, and that was, I mean, honestly, when I started, you know, uh, several years ago when we started integrating with uh, Michigan State, I mean, because, again, part of it was proof of concept. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we were in tandem, and actually, um, yeah, so we were in tandem. We were running several things at one time. So uh, I was uh, telling my buddy Jeff, I put it like 10 different irons in the fire, hoping two would strike hot, yeah. and all 10 fired up. Yeah. You know, so at that time, you know, it's not to say that we were writing checks, so we had no intention of cashing, mm-hmm. or, uh, but, you know, the, the, are uh, paying rather, but anyway, yeah, right, right, yeah right. you know what I mean? Yep. Um, but the, the main idea was that, you know, as we started to look at building, you know, all the different parts that is and was Paw Health, um, at that time, com- connecting with students, you know, these classes are a hundred, a hundred big, you know, so maybe 80, maybe 110, somewhere in that ballpark. And it's like, how am I going to be able to, you know, create a market, you know, to market to all these different students and all this, and it's like, nope, mm-hmm. one, Connect, right. connect with in, in a whole class connect with one person because yep. if we can connect with that one person then we've at least been able to establish not necessarily proof of concept but one we have furthered our goal of serving the patient mm-hmm. if we are going to be in you know the central wisconsin area north central wisconsin area we can only influence that which is within a 60 mile radius 100 mile radius yeah. but if we can connect one now we have another area right. of 60 to 100 mile radius we connect with two and those go to separate locations. Now we're double, you know, so mm-hmm. then we start to say, okay, the more we can integrate in with more innovators, the 1%, the 3%, mm-hmm. um, that ultimately then sort of became our goal was mm-hmm. just focusing on those that we actually turned their head where they're like, wait a minute, what? It's like, oh, did you look over here? Because yeah. if you looked over here, I'm going to pull you over and right. be like, just take a look, see what this is. Um, so that's been it. And then the more we start to have that momentum, not necessarily with just that university, but just the innovators. Yeah. That's, and I, so I agree with you as well. When I look at it, um, I still don't even look at the market penetration mm-hmm. um, from the perspective of how many uh, caregivers we can market to. Yeah. That still doesn't, it, like it, it, when you had said, well, I'm, I'm speaking more in terms of, uh, you know, the hiring process. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I wasn't even talking about, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, how many clients we were yeah. going to get. Right. It was going to be, how many people can we get behind this idea? Yeah. You know, cause I mean, even for, uh, we just got our, um, uh, 2019 financials, we saw another over 30% growth of the company in 2019, right. you know, and that was again, how much went into marketing? Very little, practically nothing. Yeah. You know, so for us to say, well, how did we do that? It's, oh, we've been focusing on sort of having this small influence, looking for the innovators and early adopters uh, within our team to sort of help uphold the principles and continue to push the business forward. That's been about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything else is sort of everyone has it. Um, you know what? Uh, just this. How was it? Sunday, Georgie. Mm-hmm. It was like. I don't know of other clients. She's like, oh my God, just had a, a third client today want to convert over to us, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, oh, it's lean into process, you know, mm-hmm. s- you know, services between wellness and engagement. I mean, all these different things, that's how this bleeds out. Yeah. Um, as soon as we have, you know, or at least trying to get people as best as we can to no longer be conflict diverse, you know, where if they are met with conflict in the room, it's not con- being conflict, you know, uh, being willing to engage conflict doesn't mean you are argumentative, right. you know, it means that you you just don't, you just don't fold, yeah. you know, and like you said, having the difficult conversations on, no, this is the process, mm-hmm. you know, we, we don't really, I mean, there are times where we do make some special exceptions, mm-hmm. um, but for the most part process is here because like we said before, we got seven other people that are going to be involved and what ultimately ends up happening is if I make a decision to break process and I do not effectively communicate what that break of process 
process is to those seven people, you individual who I broke the process for, it's going to get infinitely more difficult for you and your patient right. because it's going to seem like we don't know what the hell we're doing, even though it was just one person who broke process that, yeah. you know, sort of caused this trickle down effect. And, yep. uh, you know, so yep. again, I know I'm kind of rambling off into that particular example, but it's an uh, important you one know, though. Right. But again, <laughs> when it comes back to the growth of the company and what we're talking about for the, the innovators to the early adopters, um, that's essentially has always been my approach or at least what I, what I uh, focus my approach in into the younger crowd of veterinarian. And that's the same thing. If I look at trying to overturn business owners and I try to overturn some of the other veterinarians, I try to overturn some of these. It's like, no, we have tapered and coned down our approach to being who a smaller part of the market yep. that are the innovators and the early adopters, the ones that are just about to get out of school or who just got out of school. Yeah. First, we always say on uh, pre-graduates to three years out mm -hmm. because it's a smaller part of the market that has the potential of causing a incredible amount of change in our profession mm -hmm. and it's there and yep. we have the framework for it. Yeah. And you don't even need that many people to do it. No, I mean, no, really. we, we did it. I mean, we did it with four, right? That's how it started. It yeah. started with, you know, you, me, well, I guess five, four, I'm doing my math wrong. Four. <laughs> you, me, Annie, and Katie. Does that count reason. as math? It's yeah. counting to four, Carlo. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He yes. do all the drug calculations, but he can't count to four. Yes. yes. I got that calculator. <laughs> you know, like when they said, you won't always have a calculator in your pocket. Yeah, no, well, I'll have a, a freaking supercomputer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Apple. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was honestly when we were at Michigan State and as we continue to push out into the uh, university environments, uh, that's all we're looking for. Yeah. That was a, when we were at the veterinary conference, it would be like, what are you selling? Well, I'm selling this idea. Here's like the 30 second explanation. And you'd get the yes. They would see the cards that say the industry is dead. Yeah. And they would be like, wait, yeah, it is. <laughs> Tell me more. Right. And then some of them would be like, uh, just, just yeah. blindsided by Blank. it. Yeah. And you'd be like, you know what? Here, take this. If you're interested, yeah. we got a whole bunch you of stuff on our website. Right. Here yeah. you go. Yeah, we got Have a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You just, you just let them, let the, uh, find the world on their own time. Correct. At some point, the yeah. early majority is going to come into play and they might be a part of it and they'll be like, hey, I remember that, right? Yeah. Like, I wasn't ready for it then, but now they have this proof of concept and they have all these people behind it and it's working and yeah. they're being able to show legitimate results. Mm -hmm. um, that's, you said, uh, that's the early majority. The early majority, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's when you get up into that yeah. 50%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you have that, yeah. you win. Yeah. Once you cross the chasm, once you get into that, um, yeah. You've, yeah. You've, you've, you've tipped, you're into um, now just, uh, I mean, to a point, maintenance. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also continuously, because you kind of have to feed it too. You have to feed innovation into that on a continuous basis. Um, yeah. And that's why the guy from Apple is like, well, you know what? Yeah. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing because we're innovating in the way that we do. This is our process. This is yeah. the way that it works. And the Mac Pro is out, and they've sold a ton of fifty thousand dollars computers. Yeah, right. Like, right. It's just it just right. flat out works. Yeah. So uh, it, there. So we take. All right. So now we're gonna come back to the question yes. that we had, right? So the question was, I have a monument practice with banker's hours run by two doctors. Do we come in earlier? Do we stay later? What is your best recommendation to better utilize what we already have? Yep. So we have in our answer, 
We've gone to start to play the infinite game, yep. understand the diffusion of innovation that is necessary to create the change that you want to see in your practice. Yep. So check your mindset, know the people that are going to do it. Yep. Now, in terms of specific process, yes. once you cover those two things, the answer will probably become very, very apparent. Yeah. Right? I don't actually think you and I right. can provide the right answer right. to that question. Yep. Now, we have a ton of ideas. We were uh, kicking it, around before the yeah, podcast. I think we had like six to eight different potential answers to it that each carry their own degree of merit. Right. So there's a lot of other variables that are included in that, in the, in, in the fact that we don't know the market. We don't know what you know yep. what's existing staffing wise. We don't know how ready they are to create that level of change. The willingness to work ten hour days, twelve hour days. Yep. To, you know, if they want to work thirty six hours or fifty hours. Yeah. Like, there's a whole lot of unknown, and yeah. to answer this would be to assume so many variables that it would actually. You know, it's the idea. Uh, in this instance, I would actually say of informed consent into change. Uh, absolutely. Right. Oh yeah. Like yeah. we don't have the whole variable, yeah. but in terms of the cost associated of within that algorithm, yeah. here's how you can at least fulfill the fu- uh, uh, the descriptions of those variables. And yeah. you know, check that. Check your mindset. Go through the culture stuff. Yeah. Um, make yeah. sure culture that culture core values. Right. Yep. And then understand the people that you have. Do you have a bunch of you know late adopters or do you have an innovator on your team that's going to be ready to create this change with you so that you can ultimately distribute it um, naturally you can't because if you try and force it down everybody's throat and you don't really have um, that type of mindset and you don't really have the culture that's going to sustain it it's just you're just going to beat your head against a wall until you just stop yeah Uh, like we've said before uh, culture and core values is the pill pocket of process (laughs) (laughs) i don't think we've actually you may have had that thought Uh, but i love it yeah yeah it's yeah it's it's pretty good but yeah no yeah fix culture fix core values you have to establish that first and the way in which you instill that is through your education system because that has constant touch points and ways in which you can institute those core values i mean we got posters hanging in the clinic Mm -hmm. we got all those types of things of the pdfs we have available on the website um and i agree with you i think to have sort of the blanket um you know what do we do in sort of these monuments type scenario or these monument practices um i yeah i i think you know the you know the what and the how and the why um I think ultimately, from a guideline standpoint, it's what we've been talking about in process this whole time. Availability, affordability. Now, affordability doesn't mean cheap. Right. Affordability means that there is a respectable markup on either services or on products that make you uh, profitable, Mm -hmm. um, but not to the extent that you are no longer affordable. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think what we need to be cautious of is, I mean, my my individual opinion across the board is extend hours. Mm -hmm. Um, Get into the post 5 p.m. world um, Mm -hmm. as best as you can. Um, But then in doing so, don't jack up exam fees just because there's an after hour fee or after hour service don't you know that's going to make you less affordable um you're becoming available but you're maintaining pricing that's our pitch our pitch is 2 a.m or 2 p.m it's the same cost there's no markup there's no you know after hours expenses it's just in a year this is what it costs for us to keep the business open 24 hours and that expense needs to be reclaimed through you know essentially sale that's just business um but again if we come back to again how we start 
started this entire thing about me seeing, you know, the mall, basically, yep. yeah. you know, and, 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 and um, the mall of antiquity. Um, also acknowledge that um, the industry will outlast you. Yep. So if we are talking about the short sort of finite game. So if we try to jump into the infinite game, then you will continue to last with the industry. Mm -hmm. And that's the innovation component. That's going to be the, um, you know, the, the um, early adopters, you know, in that capacity. So like you said, find those individuals, maybe they're in your team, maybe they're not. So finding the innovators and finding the early adopters ultimately may end up being a change of recruitment strategy. Mm -hmm. It may end up being, you know, yep, we have some turnover that we're going to have in the staff. Well, how do we effectively turn over the staff? Well, why would you need to turn over the staff? Well, do you guys have core values? You know, do we have an appropriate culture? Are we educating the caregivers? Are we serving the patients? Mm -hmm. Do we have a shared purpose? I, you know, what is, you know, do we have a shared sense of well-being? And that's why, like I said, to, to take what we have. So how do we take this? You know, what was our recommendation for monument practices? It's um, essentially start to identify your barriers so if what we're saying is what we're doing works across the board, it works um, from our what is our barrier to culture and core value? What is our barrier to instituting an education system? What is our barrier to increasing availability? What is our barrier into increasing or, you know, at least uh, uh, regaining a certain level of affordability? And we start to identify those variables, but we use this type of platform because we we've already talked about traction. We've talked about 515. Yeah. We've talked about a lot of these workflow tools. Um, and basically into saying that as long as we have this, you know, again, the shared purpose, um, you know, we have shared well-being, but the big thing is to serve the patient and educate the caregiver. Um, that needs to become a day-to-day -day talk path mm -hmm. that needs to bleed through everything that is done. Mm -hmm. um, and even now we're starting to have that um, conversion of conversation. Like, you know, we had uh, one of our mentees up here these last three weeks um, and it was just like, you know, there would be someone who was spouting off, you know, potential some disparagement when I was there and within earshot. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, I mean, that caregiver just sounds like they weren't very educated. That's part of what our job is. They're like, yeah, I know you're right. You know, mm -hmm. it's just like get to that second emotion, have your first emotional response, you know, and then get to the second one. And the second one should be educate the caregiver and serve the patient. Right. Um, but that, that's ultimately it. And I, and I think, what sometimes, like you had identified, what you said before, I think what sometimes is challenging is finding the innovators. Mm -hmm. um, but no one should be pushing a business harder than the business owners. That's true. Um, the other thing about innovators that I actually would say it pro should provide mm, a lot of people a lot of hope is that when uh, many, many podcasts ago, I don't even remember which one it was, we had talked about how you know the alignment of a millennial uh, in like how when yeah. you get them on the same page as yep. you or you get them onto a purpose, they will run harder, faster, stronger than the majority of people that are yes. in the workforce. That's what that is. That's I think they're the actually, team we have. I think that there are an absolute ton of yep. innovators and early adopters. Absolutely. I think that we're actually going to be pushing more in that direction because of the, the millennial generation, now the, the I generation, as they call them, yeah. they are used and almost expected to be um, innovators and early adopters because that's the culture. Like, I got to have the newest thing, sure, right? Yeah, yeah. They're being trained that that's the right way to do it. Now, that's a double-edged sword because Correct. it's also creating a great <laughs> lack of self-worth yeah. when they're not able to fulfill that. So yeah. I don't really like that side. However, yeah. you don't, that's, what, that's why Gary Vee's catching such a big head of steam too because, yeah 
because yeah. he's like, screw all that financial crap that you think you need to be an early adopter on. Be an early adopter on ideas that are going to change the world. Correct. Right? So he's, he's creating an army behind him of people that are like, you know what? I don't need the, the navigator. I can drive the Ford Focus and I can still make a huge difference. Yeah, I absolutely. can still put ideas out in the world and I can make things happen. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think we have, and I think we have a window where there, again, even potentially a tip point on that with our millennials and I is that if we if we as now sort of the elders of the tribe don't provide some degree of opportunity. Now, I'm not saying the innovators can't just go off and do their own, mm -hmm. but I think where we're at with these generations, it's again, it's another kind of like limbo state where it's mm -hmm. like we have a lot of people who like, they know they really, I mean, all of us want to make a difference. We want to be a part of something. We want to, you know, do it together. We want to, you know, we want to have that excitement. We want to have that purpose. And then it's like, well, shit, there's an entire industry where it doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Well, you know, then, then what? Yeah. You know, then, you know, uh, we're going to have, you know, a lot of icebergs, mm -hmm. you know, is what boils down to. And then we're not going to have any innovation. And, right. you know, we're at a point where the opportunity we have, I mean, the access of resources, not, not necessarily just what we're creating, mm -hmm. but like, I mean, every single uh, podcast, there's links to books or videos, mm -hmm. these other people that are doing this stuff. It's like innovation is happening all around us. And I think we come back to, you know, the hurricane analogy too. It's like, you know, to a certain capacity, our hurricane is the one that's blasting through fucking everything else up. Like, <laughs> right. Like yeah. we, we got to get out of the hurricane that we made, not necessarily right. because it's going to serve ourselves to get the hell out of the hurricane, but we're going to be able to serve so many other things when we realize, oh shit, we're the problem. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, the, the being in the middle of the hurricane, you know, in some capacity you could even, you know, say that we're victimizing ourselves, mm -hmm. but it's, you just get out. Yeah. You get out and there's so much, so much additional support out there. Like I was going to say my, one of my good friends, Jeff, you know, he's, I've been kind of teaching him a lot of these different concepts and he's kind of run the rabbit hole in some of these. And he's like, Oh my God, there's a whole subculture of accountability. Yeah. He's like, there's a whole group. There's a whole world that you don't know it exists. Mm -hmm. He's like, but then once you get into it, Oh my God, is it addicting? Yeah. You know? And it's like, yeah. 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 Welcome yeah. to our world. Yeah, <laughs> yes. That is the curse of the problem solver. Yep. You know? Absolutely. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so again, you know, not to completely skirt the question because, you know, I think to have, um, you know, one, do one, two, three, four, you know, I mean, that's getting back into the finite game. Yep. Uh, but for us to look more into the infinite game, it's like you said, it's, you know, check your mindset. So get core values, culture into the practice. You're going to start to identify the innovators and the early adopters. Those are going to be people that stand by your side as you start to introduce these things. And if no one stands by your side, find them because they are there. Mm -hmm. You can integrate them into your team. Um, yep. There's probably going to be what a destabilization of the company in doing so. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be comfortable. There's going to, there's going to be some bad weather that we have to wear in order for us to get out of the hurricane. It's going to be very difficult. But once you get people who run with you, you get people that start to push with you, it starts to become easier and the process as a whole swells. And I think we even talked about this a few weeks ago in just talking about our um, quantity and quality. All we're talking about is you're not increasing quantity of business. You're increasing quality of yep. business. Mm -hmm. And it's not increasing quality to go from a good business to a good business is to go from a good business to a great business. Um, and that's all this process is, yeah. um, is just push the company forward, serve a purpose. And the purpose is to educate the caregiver and serve the patient. And you're going to do it in your team through a sense of shared purpose and, and well-being. Mm -hmm. 
the first step is the hardest one. <laughs> you're right. right? Yes. Like you're, you're in the, the zone yeah. of comfort. That first step out into the weather is going to be the hardest one. It's going to feel like the one that has the greatest level of force to push you back yeah. into good. Yep. And that's the, you know, that's the put on your boots and helmet. Yeah. It's time to go. Yep. Grab right? your speed. Yeah. Let's, let's just get, let's just, just get out there. Just, just yeah. get out and just try something because the nice part about it is again, the industry is going to outlast you. Yep. It's not really going anywhere. You have a, you have a, especially for our, our certified staff, yep. you've got a, a very valuable skill set that is transferable yep. in many, many different ways. Yep. So you're, you're already kind of um, mitigated a substantial amount of that risk. Mm-hmm. So what do you have to lose, man? Like just get out and do it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. that was our super pep talk for yeah, the day. Right, right, um, right. I yeah. will uh, leave the floor to you, Dr. Carlo, as we finish up here um and yeah that's our whole thing (laughs) yeah all right well like i said guys uh you know certainly feel free to shoot us any questions uh that's going to be a podcast at pawhealth.net they can comment on the video comment on the video sure okay sounds good yeah ben will circle on on that um but uh yeah anyway uh we're always happy to answer what we can soon soon we will be in the new studio and starting to do live cast not not too far out but uh either way all right guys we'll see you next week so thanks for listening